What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Skinny with Rico and Ken is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, I'm Corey Heim, and this is The Skinny. From the Fatheads Eyewear Studios in Speedway, Indiana, this is The Skinny. Brought to you by Toyota, Rhino Classifieds, General Tire, and Dream Giveaway. This segment of The Skinny is brought to you by General Tire. It's more than just a slogan. Anywhere is possible with General Tire. General Tire's Grabber X3 Mud Terrain Tire offers aggressive styling and is engineered for durability with innovative performance features that are ready to carry you through extreme mud, dirt, and rock-covered terrain. For extreme traction that's ready for anything and rugged styling to match, look no further than the Grabber X3. Make your anywhere possible by visiting GeneralTire.com today. Welcome to the Skinny. We're excited to bring on a young gun here. The game is played well when the manufacturers take a look at you and decide that they want to bring you underneath their umbrella. That is the goal for every young racer, and that's exactly what has happened here with young Corey Heim. He is off to a fabulous start in his career and is making some real noise in the uh, in the late model world. The Super Late's now up into ARCA uh, and has even made a truck debut. We welcome you to the show there, Corey. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me today. By the way, congratulations on a fabulous run just one day ago. Yeah, it was a great weekend. I appreciate it. Um, we uh, definitely had high expectations coming into this weekend, and we executed well. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, we'll, we'll get into your career here, but you got to walk me through that last restart. Were you, were you, uh, did you see any of the stuff that was going on there beside you with your teammate and Ty? Yeah, actually I did. You know, I've uh, had that question asked me a couple times now, and I could see it a little bit out the left side window when I was looking on that restart. So, um, you know, I didn't see exactly what happened. I knew that Chandler was going to be aggressive on that restart, and of course Tyler too, because, you know, ultimately, ultimately it would lead to the race win at the end. So um, I saw them get together a little bit, and the 18 lost all of his momentum. And, uh, you know, my job at that point was to go down and try to um, break the rest of his momentum and get out front, and that's exactly what we did. Yeah, yeah, good, good hard racing, and uh, I know there's a bit of a rivalry there uh, brewing between you, you two young guns, and rightfully so. I mean, you're both very, very competitive. I would expect nothing uh, less than that out of both of you, to be quite honest with you. So it's a lot of fun to watch you guys battle, and, and to think that uh, this is just the beginning, man. You, know, you two guys could be, uh, could be battling for the rest of your careers like this. 
Yeah, Todd's a great competitor, and it's been a uh, it's been an interesting year so far. You know, we started off in a really good note, and then we kind of leveled out a little bit behind him. He's been, you know, obviously really on fire for the past five or six weeks, and he's won, I think, pretty much the last, you know, four to the last five races or something like that. So, um, you know, get the win this weekend and get that clean air like we needed at the end and have that opportunity to execute and, um, you know, being able to bring home the checkered flag when he's been uh, really hard to beat these past couple of weeks has given, given us a lot of confidence going into Elko. Yeah, you guys should really pat yourselves on the back. I mean, listen, I, I'm not going to tell you anything you don't already know, maybe for the fans out there. I mean, you're taking on a cup team. It is what it is. Uh, you race who you have to race. You want to race and, and beat the best no matter who or where you are, and you're certainly getting a, a good taste of that, and you guys have proven very capable. I, I think you should really give yourselves a pat on the back, and you know, for Venturini Motorsports, I think they really stepped up their game You know, since 2017, 18, and the last couple of years, man. They've They've really uh, invested back in themselves. They've got some great equipment now. They have great drivers, and and I think the results are showing. You know, they've got great talent underneath the tent. Your your crew chief Shannon has been with the best of the best all along the way, and has been successful. And Kevin Reed, and of course Billy himself. I mean, that it's a hell of a team you've got there for sure. And there's no question, man. You can wheel a car. Yeah, I appreciate that. And and you know, like you said, we got a great group over at Venerate Motorsports. You got. You know, Shannon Rush, uh, Kevin Reed, Billy Venerini, Bill and Kathy, and all the guys over there that work really hard, and women as well. We didn't do bad by any means. We finished second and third for the most part and had that one uh, seventh place finish in mid-Ohio. But, um, you know, we, we came into the year expecting wins, and we've got a couple to, to this um, this weekend so far. So uh, we've got, I think, 12 races left in the year, and we got a lot of more opportunities to get some more wins. And ultimately, of course, we want to win the championship. But... Um, I think everyone's on the same page over there. They want to go win races, win the championship. And um, so far, they've been working their butts off every day and night. And they've had some they've had some late nights and early mornings trying to beat that 18 car. And this weekend, they uh, they had some of the payoffs. So uh, looking for the rest of the year for sure. Yeah, and, and you know it's going to raise their game, right? I mean, when you're racing somebody like Gibbs and you guys are all digging and you're doing as good as you're doing, it's just going to make you work a little bit harder, right? So it's going to bring the level up of, of Venturini's uh, team as well because they're all going to chase it just that much harder and yeah I couldn't agree with your consistency anymore I mean the first eight rounds and you've been you know in the top three every round except for that that one you know where you finished seventh like you mentioned but even more so I don't think you've only been out of the top 10 in ARCA ever and I think that was because of a window net if I'm not mistaken when you finished 11th uh so I mean you've had incredible consistency here in the ARCA series yeah, I mean, I think that's one of my strong suits, and it's been, um, you know, it's been overall kind of my one thing that's really kept me in the battle points this year. Of course, Ty has more wins to his name this year, um, and we, you know, came into this year three wins so far is no slump by any means, but Ty has been really good. So um, his one bad race at Talladega, I think he finished outside of the top 20, is really what's kind of kept us in it so far, and that's, you know, that's part of what the ARCA playoff or not even playoff it's just the points format uh we have 20 races straight up there's no there's no playoffs there's no elimination stuff like that so you really have to make every single week count and you know in the top three nascar series you can win one race and have an awful rest of the year and still be in the playoffs you know and, and still, have a ch- still have a shot at that championship while in ARCA you have to put 20 solid races together so you know my, my mindset going into every week is of course to win the race but you also have to kind of consider um, you know, if you don't have the best race car, you can't go out there and, you know, do something crazy and completely take yourself out of it because that's going to really, you know, put yourself out of it for the rest of the year if you have a really bad week. And, you know, the one race that we, you know, finished outside of the top three, we had a uh, way to miss happen the restart and then we had a pit road penalty as well. So it was just kind of one thing on top of another. And, um, you know, we rebounded and came back in one Pocono. So, um, you know, look back at what my mistakes were at Mid-Ohio and why we, we struggled, you know, as far as finishing-wise that week. And um, I looked back as a driver and kind of realized, like, I messed up and I needed to do better, and we came back and rebounded with a win. Awesome stuff. I mean, and it seems like you really excel at the super speedways. You adapted to that very quickly. Was uh, Did it just feel good right off the bat? Yeah, I mean, I, I practiced on, like, iRacing and then the Toyota Sim as well. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of people around me that were telling me kind of how to – how to get around a super speedway you know we got a very limited amount of practice um i think we got that one test session two weeks before the race and then you know all in all just kind of listening to the people around me and i went out and executed so talking about your sim career and and uh we'll we'll focus on that in a little bit because it's super cool as well and certainly where this industry is going but um even with all the seat time in the sim and i know you have a ton of it um you still don't 
get what you get when you're inside of that car on a super speedway, feeling that air, feeling that draft, knowing what the other cars are doing around you, but it seems like you've adapted to it very quickly, picked it right up. Yeah, I think I, I would have to agree with that. Nothing really beats actual in-car experience, you know, in the cockpit of an actual race car. But, you know, things like iRacing and the Toyota Sim do help me a lot. Um, you know, without that, I don't think I would pick up on a couple things here and there that I might make a mistake in real life. And, you know, those reps and those extra laps around the track kind of help me, um, you know, realize what I could possibly make mistakes on and kind of just execute on that with consistency and just, you know, overall um, a good mindset going into the weekend, kind of just having that confidence that I know what the actual race track's going to do and the super speedway side of things, you know, what other cars are going to do, you know, watching film helps as well. You know, what, what the characteristics of some race car drivers might do and how to, you know, maybe avoid some people that might be a little bit harder to get around and things like that. So, um, you know, just having that, having that mindset and that preparation before a race is really big for me. You've had the same spotter I'm told for about four years, Lloyd Garner, who, uh, I believe was also now spotting in cup as well for the double O if I'm not mistaken, but, uh, how much of a comfort zone does Lloyd give you inside of your ear whenever you're in those situations? Yeah, Lloyd's been awesome. He's been a big part of my success this year. Um, and, you know, like you mentioned, he's been my spotter for almost four years. So we really know each other well and what, what I like and what he likes in me. So um, we, we merge together really well. And it's very important to have that relationship with the spotter on super speedways. So um, he definitely gives me the comfort and to the point where I can trust him. Like if he calls me clear and it's really close, like I can trust that. I can trust that gap and I can trust that call by Lloyd. So, um, you know, with, with a newer spotter that might not have as much experience as Lloyd does, I don't know if I can quite, you know, trust him enough to fill that gap and, you know, make that move that I would be confident enough to do with Lloyd. So um, I think that's the main thing for me. Um, and, you know, Lloyd's been around for a while. As you mentioned, he's a cup spotter as well. So obviously he's good enough to, you know, be in a cup car and he comes back down to Arca and he's really doing well with me. So, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, he's been a huge part of my success this year. Yeah, it's that chemistry, right? I mean, all the pieces to the puzzle, as you mentioned before, Shannon Rush and, and Kevin Reed and Billy Venturini and, uh, and Lloyd. I mean, all the pieces of the puzzle, it's that team chemistry, which is what really allows you to succeed and, and chase a championship. And you guys clearly have that going on, man. It's, it's really exciting to be part of a program like that. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, we're going to keep on working away at it and try to click up another couple of wins here, at least uh, – you know, keep ourselves in the lead of the points battle here. So they're going to keep on working hard. And we got a got a long stretch of races coming up in July. I think we have like three or four short tracks in five weeks. So uh, that's going to be really exciting for me. So let's take a step back, man. Tell me how you got going in this whole business, this whole racing uh, craziness that we all uh, have so much affection for. So how old were you and what was your first efforts? Yeah, so I started when I was five years old, um, and, you know, before that, I've always been an NASCAR fan ever since I, you know, pretty much was uh, one year old, and I was able to even kind of comprehend what I was looking at. So uh, me and my dad would always watch it, and we grew up pretty close to Lemler Speedway, so I'd go to a couple races, and uh, my dad raced a little bit of uh, Legends Car stuff as well when he was, um, when I was a young kid, and I would go watch the Lanier Motor Speedway. Um, but I got started in quarter midgets. Uh, my dad surprised me with a quarter midget when I was um, five years old on Christmas. And, um, you know, we, we tested at the local uh, track in Cumming, Georgia at uh, Bill Thomas Raceway. And um, I raced that for, I want to say, about eight years, honestly. So I, I spent a lot of time in quarter midgets. Um, and then I moved up to a Bandolero and a Legends car. Um, that's kind of where I really learned how to race. Like, you, you understand how to drive when you're in quarter midgets, but I don't think you truly understand how to race until you go through that Bandolero and Legends car phase that you see a lot of NASCAR drivers go through um, that have made it in the sport. So um, after that, I, I went into late models, some super late models and pro late models, which I still do. I'm actually going to race a race of that this weekend. So I've been doing that for about four or five years now. And um, then we moved the, made the step up to ARCA and, and, you know, that one truck start that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, so we should touch base and let the fans at home know uh, Corey is 18 years of age. Uh, with a birthday coming up here next weekend, uh, well, I think maybe Monday, right? July 5th. So um, happy early birthday to you there, my friend. You'll be, uh, you'll be the wise old age of 19 years old. It's pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. We'll be right back after this. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. 
I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This segment of The Skinny is brought to you by Toyota. When did you catch Toyota's eye? Um, I think this is my second year in the program um, this year. So uh, I started in ARCA actually with a different team, with Chai Bai Racing, which was a Ford team at the time. And um, really just didn't have the success that I wanted. We, we finished, you know, borderline top five every week, but we were fifth place, fifth to sixth place car. Um, and I was also living in Georgia at the time, so I didn't have a really good opportunity to move, you know, go to the shop and, you know, spend some time with the guys. I didn't have the greatest relationship with my team just because I really had no other choice but to just show up to the racetrack and race. So um, I graduated high school last year. I moved up, um, you know, of course, got a part with uh, Toyota. I became a part of their program and, um, you know, ever since then, I feel like it's kind of taken off a little bit. You know, we started even winning late model races and that's, you know, outside of, um, the Arcus out of it, of course, and, um, won the one Arca race in Kansas later in the year last year. And I think ever since I've been a part of the program, I've, I've bettered myself as a driver in and out of the race truck, in and out of the race car. And, you know, my, um, my work, my work ethic has gotten a lot better as well. So, um, these guys have really pushed me to be the best, uh, best version of myself. And I think this year it's, um, it's been great so far and I'm hoping to improve myself every year. I'm a part of this program. So I'm going to rephrase that a little bit because, uh, clearly, I mean, you're stepping up to the plate here now that you're underneath that Toyota umbrella, but what do you think it was? Uh, what do you think you did before you became a development driver for Toyota? What do you think it was that you did so well that had, was it Jack Irving that, that made the call? I mean, who, who is it? Uh, when do you think 
Toyota looked at you and said, you know what, this kid's got a real shot. We need to take, a, we need to take him under our umbrella and see if we can develop him. What, what was that success level that got you there? Yeah, I mean, I think a little bit was just, um, you know, every weekend we'd go against those Venerini cars, and I feel like um, we were right there with them pretty much every weekend with, you know, maybe not quite as good as a car that they had. So I feel like we um, we really kind of proved, or I proved my worth against those guys. And, uh, you know, Billy Venerini and Jack Irving are really good friends. So, I mean, I guess they, they might have talked a little bit about, you know, the, the consistency and success I had in my first year in ARCA. And I think, um, you know, they gave me a shot last year with seven races. I didn't race a lot last year with them, but I think we had a lot of success in the limited amount of starts that I had. So, um, you know, that, that kind of at that point proved that I could, you know, run up there, run up front with the top guys in ARCA and, and even trucks. Yeah, I've, I've spoke with Jack Irving off and on for, I don't know, maybe the better part of 10 years. And my guess is Jack Irving knew exactly who you were before you ever got to ARCA. He's pretty switched on and uh, he's looking at those young guns all the time. I mean, I've had him tell me he's looking at kids, you know, uh, 12 years old, you know, 12 and 13 years old and getting them in the program, uh, certainly keeping an eye on them. And then uh, I also know that you ran really well, you know, in, in the pro lates and the, and the super lates and 16 years old uh, running nationally and nearly won the Martins, uh, Martinsville 300, right, when you were 17 years old. Yeah, I definitely like to say that I did win it. Um, you know, it was a controversial finish at the end there, and I, I think I, I think I did win it, and then you know, pretty much everyone else agreed that I did. But um, you know, that's part of racing. I mean, you're going to have controversial stuff, but um, we did have a lot of success when I first started in the late model stock stuff, and actually ran uh, full time last year in the late model stock uh, side of things in the cars tour, and we had a pretty successful year. We won a race and um, won a couple local races as well throughout the year. I think I ran. 20 races total, and I think I won three or four of them. So, um, you know, overall a good year, and I think that's also taught me a lot about how to race a heavy stock car, and that's how I also got my start in a heavy stock car as well. So it's um, fun to return to your roots and kind of see see how you shape up against those uh, those good guys in late models. And I feel like, you know, every time you go back down to that rank, I mean, those guys are just as good as some of the guys who are in NASCAR. So it's, it's just as hard, if not harder, to win a late model, a big late model race than it is to win an ARCA or a truck race. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, what happens as as it becomes more affordable, the talent level goes up, right? And the field gets a little deeper. And and, uh, and let's face it, super lates are not a cheap car to run. But in comparison, much less money than an ARCA car or certainly a cup car. But um, yeah, when you get in those super late ranks, I mean, you have guys that have been pounding around in there their whole careers and, I mean, are vicious good. Uh, with a ton of experience. So, yeah, when you show up and do well there, and, and that's kind of why I was asking you, what, what do you think it was that made Toyota notice you? My guess is Jack Irving was very aware of who you were and seeing that you had success, you know, at the late model ranks because it's very important to him that you do well at that, at that level. I know, like, the, you know, the K&N stuff was very important to him. He wanted to see his drivers do well at that level, and he wanted to see them inside of cars a lot, you know, many, many times a year. So my guess is that was a big part of uh, him making a decision to bring you on board and then seeing you do well, like you said, on the ARCA car. Uh, I think it all does work nicely together. But, you know, I couldn't agree with you more, man. There's some real talent in the super late uh, ranks for sure. Yeah, and I think um... – you know, the light model side of things, um, while they might not get you a ride quite in the ARCA series or the truck series, it's very rare for that to happen. Um, I do think that definitely accounts for some of the reasoning of, you know, some funding that gets, you know, placed towards you in, in an ARCA or a light model, or I'm sorry, an ARCA or a truck car as well. So um, someone's always watching um, your every move and you got to really execute whether you're doing just a local late model stock race or a big truck race or something like that. Someone's always watching. So that's uh, something that I've really abided by. Uh, just the, the world that you're growing up in doesn't even allow you to be a kid anymore. <laughs> I mean, you, you were in the professional ranks pretty early on. You have to act like a professional, which involves the entire business side of it, the social media side of it. Uh, obviously the racing side of it. it, it all ties in together and they want the, uh, they want the perfect package, you know, so you have to give some stuff up that you, you, you know, your buddies might have been able to go do that you couldn't do. But the payoff is, you know, hopefully a, a professional race car driver at the cup level, I'm sure, is your goal. So, uh, yeah, hats off to you, man, because it's not easy being a kid these days. It's not easy being involved in social media. And, and when, Benny, when Billy tells you something like that, 
uh, you know, there's a lot of jealous people out there. They want to see you do something wrong. They want to see you make a bad step and try to take advantage of you that way too. So it's there's a lot of positives, but there's some negatives there. And yeah, man, you're walking through a, a, a minefield, if you will. So <laughs> and uh, and everybody's hoping you come out of the other side, you know, on top. It's it's not an easy task, man. My hats off to you. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. It's not it's not easy to be, you know, doing what we're doing. But you know, at the same time, there's a lot of people who wish they were doing what I was doing. So sure, you're always gone pretty much every weekend and then I'm going to be completely honest like I never never went to a high school prom or anything like that no high school events because I was always at a racetrack so um, regardless of that I've loved every second of you know my racing career for the last three or four years and especially in the late model and ARCA stuff um, this is what I've always wanted to do I've always wanted to be in this position and you know Toyota Racing's done um, everything they can to put me in this position and I've loved every second of it so um, just extremely, extremely grateful for, for where I'm at in my career right now, and I hope we can uh, continue to build on it and hopefully, um, hopefully get through the ranks. So let's talk about your sim career, because I know, fortunately, when you get underneath that Toyota umbrella, you also get access to that incredible simulator that, that they have. But then, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe you also do a, a lot of sim time for Kyle Busch, uh, as well on, on his truck program. Is that correct? Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, I think, you know, for the most part, we're working towards his races specifically, and he only has about five of them this year. So uh, we've, um, me and Marty Lindley, as the crew chief of the 51 truck this year, have done a lot of work to try to make sure that Kyle's truck is perfect for him. And, um, you know, it's been kind of an up and down year for him in the truck and expanding side of things this year. But, you know, I've done everything I can to try to make sure that, you know, he's happy with his truck. And I think for the most part, he has been. So, um, yeah, the Toyota simulator is great. I think it's, it's close to the real thing as you're going to get with the current, you know, technology that's presented to him. So um, I go pretty much two times a week and they're three and a half hour sessions. So I spend roughly seven hours a week trying to make sure my car is going to be good or Kyle's truck's going to be good throughout the weekend. And um, for the most part, it's, it's pretty simple, but sometimes it can get a little bit stressful when you're not finding that right balance or anything or anything like that. So, uh, for the most part, you know, it's simple, but sometimes it can be stressful as well. So let me ask you a question because maybe I misunderstood. So I thought the Toyota simulator was in one facility um, and Kyle Busch's sim was in a different facility. Is, is, are you, do you do all the work on one? Uh, it's all in the same thing. It's all in, um, it's all in one simulator at uh, TRD. So um, never have to move, have to go to the same place every time. And it's, uh, it's all pretty simple as far as that goes. Gotcha. Um, so I've also heard, and I'm kind of curious if, if there's any truth to this, I've also heard that there are times when they're looking for real-time data. Uh, in other words, let, let's just say, like, oh, Kyle got a win here this, this past weekend as well. So um, I've heard that during a race, sometimes people will get on a sim and try a setup to see if it'll work a little bit better, relay that back to the crew chief real-time during the race, and when they come in to make a pit stop, will possibly make that change to the car if it's available. Well, for the most part, they um, they will do all of that prior to the weekend. So they will run through every scenario that could happen that's realistic. You know, if like Kyle is complaining about a certain area of the racetrack that he's struggling with in practice during the race, uh, the crew chief or the car chief will run that in the simulator and see what adjustment they need to make that uh, make that truck neutral again. So they'll run that all previous and um, implement it into the truck um, in real time, like you said, but they won't. They won't actually physically get on a sim and like you know put the setup in and everything they'll have that all set up and you know the preparation behind that is pretty insane you know you spend uh throughout all the kbm drivers they probably spend about 15 to 20 hours a week before a race weekend to make sure that they can run every possible scenario to get it prepared for the race weekend we've been uh so my son competes in sports cars and and we've had a good relationship with toyota and we've been trying to get him on that sim for, I want to say, about two years, but uh, it hasn't happened. Based off of this interview with you, it sounds like the schedule for that sim could not be packed any tighter. Yeah, I mean, before I started doing stuff for uh, for Venerini Motorsports and for Kyle, I mean, I struggled myself to get some sim time as well. So, um, you know, at the time I wasn't very, um, you know, I was only running seven races for Toyota Racing and uh, Venerini Motorsports last year. So, um, that's most of the reason why, and now I'm a little bit more heavy on the schedule side, and I'm also doing the stuff with Kyle, like I mentioned. So um, that's that's kind of the reasoning behind that. But 
uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's very packed up. It's hard to find a slot unless you're, you know, a very big part of the Venerini Motorsports, KBM, Joe Gibbs Racing, any team like that, Hattori as well. They're in there a lot. So uh, it's really tough to get some time, and you got to be pretty, uh, pretty deep in the program to, to get it consistently. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll be back in just a moment to spend some more time with one of the young guns in the sport, Corey Hines. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This segment of The Skinny is brought to you by Dream Giveaway. Dream Giveaway has been giving away high-end American muscle cars to raise money for charity since 2007. Dream Giveaway is known for giving away classic and new muscle and paying the federal taxes so the winners don't have to. For $25, you can jump in the game, and part of that goes to charity. You'll have a chance at winning some of the coolest cars on the planet. Check it out at dreamgiveaway.com. Welcome back to The Skinny. We're talking to Corey Heim, one of the Toyota development drivers. He's off to an incredible start here, leading in the points here in the ARCA series, looking for his first ARCA championship. However, that points battle is very tight. Just a skinny four-point lead right now over the very tough Ty Gibbs, but we look forward to the great racing between these two young guns and the rest of that uh, series as well. Uh, when we talk about Ty Gibbs and Gibbs Racing and Venturini, that's all Toyota. It's Toyota family, but uh, you guys are vicious competitors, right? Nobody's really sharing anything behind the scenes in the trailers. Yeah, I mean, uh, for the most part, we, we all get along pretty well. Um, you know, me and Ty, every weekend pretty much have a, have a close race for the most part. He, there's been a couple weekends where he's been a little bit ahead of us as far as speed, but 
you know, when you race this close together every weekend, it's hard to hard to like the other guy. You know what I mean? Just, you know, you obviously want to win every race you compete in. And, you know, Ty's been really good this year. So um, I, I think I'm a mutual friend of him. But, you know, for the most part, Joe Goods Racing and Veterinary Motorsports are fierce competitors. And there's no bad blood out of the out of the racetrack by any means. But we definitely want to beat each other every week. And sometimes that just um, just makes you a little bit sour when you don't get it done. So that's um, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, that competitive side, uh, and and if you didn't have it, you know, you wouldn't be successful. So, I uh, certainly understand all that, man. Hey, let's um, let's talk a little bit more about this this sim situation that you're in. Uh, are you being paid? Are you a paid sim driver at this point? Is, is that something that I hear people are almost making a career out of uh, doing doing sim work for these teams? No, um, for the most part, I'm just trying to. Um do everything I can to help KBM and Venerini Motorsports better their team. You know, most of it for me uh, is for Venerini Motorsports, of course, because the better the better work I do for them, the more successful I'm going to be on the racetrack, and that's going to correlate to you know um, hopefully more opportunities down the road. And same thing with KBM, really. If I can if I can really impress those guys and try to you know try to make them realize that I, I can be a good setup guy and, and you know my feedback is good and everything like that. Um, that could lead to more opportunities down the road. So that's that's why I do it, and it's kind of just part of my job. You know, it's not really uh, a side gig for me by any means. I just try to better KBM and better Venue Motorsports in any way I possibly can. So I also hear that uh, a big reason for your success is you're really good with info uh, to come back to the, the engineers with data info. When did you start really feeling a car? Like, when did you know what you wanted in a car how early on did it make sense to you yeah it definitely took me a little while it's um for the most part in the first year me racing pro and super late models i was just kind of hanging on you know it, it, it really depended on the racetrack um and how good my equipment was not really how good of a driver i was like i wasn't when i when i first started i wasn't going to take a you know a 10th place race car and finish fifth with it if i had a 10th place race car my my peak was 10th place but over the years i've kind of learned how to you know, drive race car a little bit better and get that feedback to where I can really perfect a race car throughout a weekend. So um, now I feel like I can take a, an okay race car and finish really well with it. But, you know, for the most part this year, we've had really good race cars and I've just been able to finish, you know, well with them in general. So um, it's hard to, it's hard to, you know, make up a lot of ground with the race car, but over the years I've really adapted to try to get my feedback better and try to do everything I can for my, my crew chief, my car chief and engineers and everything everything like that to try to better themselves and also better me on the racetrack as well. So the crew chiefs that you've worked with here in your early days, for the most part, or maybe all the way along the way, do they tell you what they're doing to the car so that it'll make sense to you? Initially, let's just say you start picking up and you say, okay, the car's tight or the car's loose, and you don't necessarily know what adjustment you want to make to the car yet. So they tell you what they're going to do, and then you start piecing the puzzle together and now you're to the point where you might make suggestions as to what you think would work best. Yeah, when I first started, it was a lot about just driver development and trying to get my driving side of things first. So, you know, I would tell them how the car felt and, you know, what I needed it to do better. But um, for the most part, it was the crew chief telling me like, hey, man, like you can drive it into three a little bit harder, for example, or you can get off a of four better, things like that, um, more than just what I can do better as far as feedback. And, you know, I think that's pretty um, understood throughout motorsports when a driver's first starting in a car they're not going to know everything about it so um and there's going to be a lot left on the racetrack as a driver to to make up a little bit or at least for for me it was because i didn't have any experience beforehand so um you know as the years have gone by my feedback's gotten a lot of, a lot better my driving of course has gotten a lot better too so um i think i've figured out a lot of the things that I've, i was doing wrong as far as a driver so now i'm leaning towards how can i make my feedback better how can i how can I, um, you know, overall just improve myself as a driver and overall improve myself as, you know, um, a person to relay information to the engineers and crew chiefs as well. So, um, of course, there's always room to be better. You know, I have a lot of work to do if I want to make it one day, but um, I'd like to think that I came a long way since I first started. Yeah, I, I love your humble uh, approach for sure. And, and, you know, it's an interesting point that you brought up there. Because it, that opportunity is, I don't believe, is there in sports car racing, for say, whenever you can't see all the turns, you know, on a, on a big track like a Watkins Glen or, or whatever it may be. 
Um, whenever you say your crew chief could tell you to drive in a little bit deeper in this turn or get off at this turn a little bit harder, uh, that's that's not always an option for a lot of uh, other crew chiefs. But with the guys that you're working with, they have just massive amounts of experience and they can see it. So um, it's it's funny because I'm just not used to that side of it where a crew chief can actually tell the driver, hey, you need to be a little bit better or you can do a little bit better here to to really help develop you. And then you come back with a little bit of information. He can help develop the car. And uh, yeah, that's that's magical, man. That's really cool. Yeah, I think in the late model ranks, um, you know, a good crew chief sets himself apart or herself apart from the rest of the crew chiefs just by being a good driver coach as well. Um, those young drivers that first start out in late models and that need someone by their side to tell them what they need to do better without, you know, completely criticizing them. Of course, a constructive criticism is the way to go for a young driver because you don't want to completely make them lose their confidence. And I think I had a really good, you know, crew chief when I first started in late models, Matt Drake and Lee Pulliam. Mostly, you know, Lee Pulliam did a really good job on the late model stock side and then Matt Drake on the uh, super late model side. So I had two different people in my ear kind of telling me two different approaches and I was just double the information and double the, you know, ways to make me better throughout um, throughout my years in late models. So, um, you know, like I mentioned, like that, that really sets them apart from just normal crew chiefs. And that's kind of led to my uh, fast progression through the late model stuff and also ARCA a little bit as well. So, uh, for example, uh, Toyota, Lexus's GTD program, that sports car program, those guys live and die on data. So they can come back off of the truck and they can compare all the drivers, what they're doing on each turn. Um, you know, who, who's getting through this turn better, why, uh, entry, mid-corner, exit, whatever the case may be, whatever gear they're using. There's a ton, a plethora of data uh, because of the electronics. But you guys don't have access to any of that, do you? Do you ever have data that, even during your test days, or do you have data that you can look at? So really the main thing that we use, um, since it's just kind of an oval racetrack, a little bit more simple than maybe a road course that, you know, the Lexus stuff races at, we have something called Dartfish, and um, basically what that is is it overlays you and the and a race car that is better than you, and it, it basically is like a ghost car. So it'll show you exactly where that car is beating you at, a, at the exact point on the racetrack, and all it does is just show one of your best laps against one of the best of the other guys' laps, and that shows you exactly where they're beating you, exactly where you're beating them, and just the areas that you could possibly be better. And, um, you know, that's, that's really helped me a little bit throughout the years, and we have to pay for it, which is – um, completely fine because I think that's that's going to help me develop and I think that's um, help me understand how those good guys are so good and what they do better as far as just purely putting a lap together and of course there's a lot left on the table as far as racecraft and just you know simple things on restarts that people do that make them you know set them apart from the competition but you know there's some technology that we can use to kind of help us understand um, where the car or the driver might be better throughout a lap. So explain that to me a little bit more, if you will, or maybe I just wasn't paying attention. It's probably more the case here. <laughs> but um, if you go onto that app or that, that site, whatever the case may be, do they have everybody? I mean, if your time is there, if Ty wants to look at your time, he can look at your time. If you want to look at Ty's time, it's there or, or anybody else in the field? Yeah, so generally they have a couple of people with cameras on top of like where a spotter would be, and they will videotape every every good car i mean there's a couple cars that aren't really worth videotaping unless you know you're part of that dartfish program and you pay to be part of that program um but you know all the good cars will get recorded and you know they will overlay another car whatever car you really want so if they if they're able to videotape that lap and catch that lap um you know you can request to be overlaid with that car so if they if they have it on camera it's available for you to use just you request it and then they'll send it to you over email and you can you can watch exactly where they're beating you or where, where you're beating them yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, cool stuff for sure. Um, let's talk about your uh, let's talk about your truck debut, man. Congratulations at Darlington with with Kyle Busch. And again, you talked about Marty Lindley, and and rumor mill has it that Marty speaks very highly of you. Is very very pleased with your feedback, and that's what those guys want, man. I mean, they want a driver that's going to come back and and help them with with good information. So. That's uh, that's great news. I'm glad Marty's really happy with you. That's that will certainly pay dividends with with Kyle. But uh, man, you make your debut at Darlington and in a position to win that thing late in the race. Yeah, that was a uh, that was really a surreal experience for me. Um, you know, I, I had really no expectations going into the race. Of course, I wanted to do really good and impress people. And um, I'd like to think for for the most part, I, I did pretty well. Um, 
until we racked, of course. But, you know, before that, we um, we were running really well. We started deeper in the field. I think I think we started 15th-ish in that range, and then we kind of made our way up slowly. It was, it was honestly a slow start for me. Uh, Marty started me on the tighter side, the more secure side of things, and um, I struggled with the car in the first, you know, 15 to 20 laps, and then um, we pretty much got a dialed in right from there. Marty made the perfect adjustment on the first stage, and I think we finished in the top 10 in the first stage and in the top three in the second stage. So we were slowly, slowly working our way up there, and then we, we wrecked out later in the race. But um, for the most part, it was an awesome experience, and it's definitely something I'll never, I'll never forget. Yeah, so the fans that are listening in, help explain that just a little bit more. And, and uh, I'm certainly very familiar with it as well, but – uh, you just said you started off a little bit on the tight side, the safer side of, of things, and it is better for a driver to come in with a car that's a little bit tight, just doesn't want to really turn versus coming in loose, correct? Yeah, I would say so, um, just depending on the racetrack. And I think um, for my situation, it was definitely better to be on the tight side because I'd never been in a truck before, never been at Darlington before. So um, <clears throat> to well, have that's a right. You guys race have no so- practice. No practice and no qualifying, right? I forgot to throw that in there. You just get to go. Yeah. Yeah, we had no practice, no qualifying. I, I never raced a truck or practiced a truck before. I've never been to Darlington either. But um, the practice that I did get was in the Toyota Sim. So I'm not going to sit here and say, like, oh, I've never seen the race track before. Like, yeah, I did do some Sim stuff. I did run the truck in the Sim. Of course, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it doesn't beat, uh, you know, actual in-truck or in-car experience. But um, it did help me a little bit. But um, you know, like I was saying, like we were making a lot of gains, we were getting up to the field and then the wreck kind of took us out of it, of course, but, um, it, it was a really cool experience. That is pretty amazing. No practice time, no qualifying time. Just get in the car or the truck in this case and, uh, let them throw the green flag. Uh, good luck, man. Have fun. So <laughs> that's, that's pretty wild. <laughs> pretty <so. much. laughs> Thanks to the pandemic for that. Um, we got some exactly. new exciting, uh, exciting rules, right? So as I watch those trucks compete, and I really do like to watch the, I, I hate the fact that they wreck so much, and it slows the excitement and the pace of the, of the event down. But I love to watch those guys when they get really racy at the same time. So you live and die by the sword, right? But it seems to me like those trucks really move around a lot, man. I mean, like a lot more than an Xfinity car or a cup car or an ARCA car. Did, did you have that sensation? Yeah, I mean, they were definitely way more on edge than I expected. Um, you know, they run the same the same uh, motor package with a, just a little bit more horsepower, so they're unrestricted. But uh, pretty much the same thing as an ARCA car, um, you know, for the most part. And I expected it to be somewhat similar handling-wise, but those things were very on edge and very, very aero-sensitive as well. So that was something to get used to. I think it took me – um, you know, most of the first stage, you kind of figured that out. But, um, you know, racing for the 51 truck with Kyle Busch Motorsports was just kind of, um, you know, I couldn't have been in a better situation for that race. So um, the fact that we, we did as good as we did was awesome. But I feel like it was a little bit expected to just kind of go up there and run well. And, you know, that's what we did. But, um, you know, at the same time, we were very little experienced driver wise. And, you know, I had never worked with Marty before either. So it was a little bit of a uh, challenge to kind of get used to that. And, you know, having the same crew chief throughout the entire 2021 season so far, and then switching it up for that one race was a little bit difficult, but I feel like me and Marty bonded really well um, with all the sim stuff that we did. And we kind of meshed really well for the race as well. So um, for the most part, it was uh, comfortable as soon as I could, you know, kind of figure it out and kind of figure out all the different things that were different than an longer car. But um, like you mentioned, they're very, they're very on edge. They move around a lot, and that was something to get used to. So let me ask you a quick question, and, and it might just be obvious. Once you get clean air, you, you get a better read on the truck. But if you're in a situation, like you said, I think you said start off 15th, 16th, whatever the case may be, and the truck was a little bit tight um, at the beginning uh, of the race, but with all that arrow that's going on there, when do you determine, okay, the truck is tight or – or, or I was just too close to the guy in front of me, man. I just didn't have any, any air on the nose of this thing to help me get it turned. When do you, how do you determine when it's mechanical grip or when it's arrow? Yeah, I think it just depends on how, how spaced out you are. And a lot of that just comes with experience. So my feedback might have not been the best in the first race, but I mean, the first pit stop, we hit it right on the dot for the next restart. So I guess it was, you know, I think Marty kind of knew, um, what the other trucks had in their in their trucks that made them so good in the beginning of the race, like the 18 and the Ford truck were really good to fire off. So I think he might have resorted to something similar to them, but he did start me off tighter because I was a new driver and I had that lack of experience. So 
Um, but like you mentioned, it is kind of hard to judge, you know, how, um, how your mechanical grip is versus your aerodynamical grip. Um, and you know, what, what is it actually, what, what are you actually struggling with? Right. So, um, I've, um, learned a little bit about that in ARCA and, you know, the differences between those two, but, um, late models, you don't really get a very good read on any aerodynamics is not very sensitive in that department. So, um, ARCA, I've learned most of that. And if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for the ARCA experience, I have pretty much no idea what I was talking about. So, um, that's helped a little bit, but the trucks are definitely more aero sensitive than the ARCA cars are. Yeah, man. Like driving a brick, right? I mean, they're pushing a lot of air. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So, uh, you, you kind of touched on this a little bit showing up at a truck race with KBM, uh, that brings some real pressure to with it, you know, in that scenario, because you show up in one of those trucks on that program, a, you don't get to get in that program unless you've shown some real, some real talent and B, you know, the equipment is going to be good. So, uh, you're expected to have some results. I mean, right off the bat, and it doesn't really matter who you are. That's some real pressure. Yeah, the pressure's there for sure. Um, you know, I feel like as far as my preparation goes, like that's mostly all comes down to like, if you prepare well and you're really in the right mindset for the race, like there's no reason you can't go out there and do well. And also another thing that you have to keep in mind is like, you have to um, make sure you do everything you can. And if, if something happens that's out of your control, like Toyota knows that, like they're not going to, you know, if you finish, like, like I finished 22nd in the truck race, but I think most of that was out of my control. You know what I mean? And like, they realized that. So um, my main thing has just been keeping everything in control that I possibly can and just pre preparing really well, staying hydrated, uh, making my diet good, working out, everything like that. And also making sure I do as much sim as I can off the racetrack and watching a lot of film as well. So, um, you know, as long as I'm really focused and committed to the program, I think, you know, the results will kind of find themselves, which this year they have so far. So um, I'm hoping to, you know, keep this momentum up and, and, you know, finish up the year strong. Let's pause for a moment here to take a quick break. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. 
Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This segment of The Skinny is brought to you by Rhino Classifieds. Tired of all those ads and random stuff that shows up when you're looking to buy or sell your car parts? Rhino Classifieds was created just for you. Welcome to a streamlined buying and selling app created by racers for racers and race fans. Modified cars, classic cars, race cars, that special big block you need. The trailer to move your baby around the country in. We got you at rhino.co. You're working very, very hard in the background. I mean, a lot of people think race car drivers, ah, they go out and they drive on the weekend and then they do whatever they want during the week. It's not a very hard gig, but uh, it couldn't be further from the truth, especially when you're dealing with the heat. But you are uh, you're on the full plan, right? I mean, you you are eating extremely healthy. You're in the in a full workout program. All the things that are expected from Toyota, from Toyota to, that they would want their drivers to be doing. Yeah, I've really struggled with diet. Um, you know, throughout high school, I, I gained a lot of weight. I was very overweight. Um, and, you know, ever since I um, kind of realized that if I want to make it one day, I'm going to have to get in shape and start working out and eating healthy. Um, that's when I started to get a little bit committed. So um, that all started for me in 2019. I lost a lot of weight and I was still kind of on the heavier side. So um, as soon as I got into the Toyota program, I found uh, the nutritionist over there, Stephanie. She does a really good job. Um, you know, I'm not the skinniest person in the world right now, but I've come a really long way and I'm still making progress towards my goals. So, um, Toyota's done an awesome job of supplying us, you know, all the tools we need. Um, we have, we have a lot of really healthy snacks here at the gym. I'm actually here at the gym right now. If you hear some sound in the background, sorry about that, but, uh, I'm here at the gym now. We have a lot of healthy snacks here. We, we get shakes after our workouts. And, um, you know, of course I mentioned the nutritionist as well. She does an awesome job keeping us in shape and, uh, making sure that, we have um, everything we need as far as our preferences as well, because, you know, I think we all know eating healthy isn't easy. So um, she tries to do her best to to make it easy for us and do everything she can to make it enjoyable. And not just, you know, sometimes you have to you have to dread eating healthy. So how cool is it to be in the gym there? Who, who do you end up working out with? I mean, Denny Hamlin go walking through every now and again or or Kyle Bush. I mean, you're working out with these guys. No, they have, they have their own little plan at their house, I think. But, um, you know, we got, we got guys here in the Xfinity Series. Harrison Burton works out here all the time. Daniel Hamrick, uh, Bubba Wallace, Christopher Bell. Um, I find myself working out with, like, Drew Dollar a lot and, and some of the guys that are in the Arctic Series, like Chandler, Chandler Smith. Of course, he's trucks now. But um, people that I know, um, they, they group you with better. And people that you know better, they, they'll group you with just because you, it, it makes the workout a lot more enjoyable if you can be personal, personable with the people that you're working out with. So, uh, me and Drew get along really good, and we work out with each other all the time. You know, Chandler, Derek Krause, people like that. Um, they've, they've been walking back and forth down the aisle right here all the time, just waving at me. So, um, you know, we're all we're all really good friends here at the gym, and um, I think I think we're gonna really only have two people working out at the same time, so you don't really see like a bunch of people in here at the same time. But um, you definitely bump shoulders with most of the Toyota drivers here uh, during the week. Yeah, that's super cool, and that camaraderie is what you build, right? And I'm sure those relationships also pay dividends. You're chatting with them about your experiences. They're giving a little bit back to you about their experiences, and you pick up little tidbits here and there. Yeah, and I think that's really big for me at, uh, at the uh, Darlington race. Um, you know, I find myself talking to pretty much everyone that's possibly ever even raced there just because, you know, you pick up on these little, little tiny pieces of information that could really go a long way in the race, like, um, I remember talking to Bubba Wallace a bunch about it, a little bit of uh, John Hunter Nemechek was in here one day and I talked to him about it and um, there was just a little bit of information there that I, I wouldn't have learned if I was maybe still living in Georgia or, or hadn't come to the gym that day or something like that. So, um, you know, those little pieces of information, a little, uh, just maybe a simple workout can go a long way for your future. So um, it's, been, it's been really good to be a part of the Toyota program and just being able to talk to those guys. It's been great picking your brain here, man, and uh, figuring out where you started and, and certainly where you're at now. Uh, go ahead and tell us what your goals are. Give us a little bit of a timeline. What, what, what do things look like for you in the future? Yeah, I mean, as far as timeline goes, I'm not really sure. Of course, I want to continue my NASCAR career, and um, I think my main goal is to just be a, 
a successful race car driver one day and just um i know this might be kind of uncommon to say but i just i just don't want to live with any regrets you know i don't want to I don't want to look back at this year and say like, man, if I, if I just did this one thing or if I did better in this one race or this one year, I could have maybe made it. Like I want to, every weekend I want to execute and go out there and try to do the best I possibly can. So I, I live life with no regrets. And, um, you know, as I mentioned, I want to be a successful race car driver one day, whether that be in the cup series or, you know, hopefully, hopefully the cup series of course is the main goal, but, um, as long as I'm successful and as long as I'm, I'm happy with what I'm doing, that, that's what I want to do for my career. A uh, quick question for you here as a motorsports broadcaster for 20 plus years. I'm curious if Toyota or anybody in, uh, for that matter has sent you off to uh, a public speaking class. Um, not yet. I've actually considered it. Um, I, I'm not the greatest public speaker right now, but um, I've, I've definitely come a long way over the years just being able to uh, be here and talk to people in person and just kind of put myself out there a little bit. And all the all the interviews I've done in the past, you know, two or three years have been kind of helping me a lot. So, uh, you know, three years ago, I was definitely considering it because my first like four or five interviews and late models were honestly just horrendous. So, you know, my parents talked to me about it at some point. So I almost signed up. I almost signed up at one point. So, uh, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm not the greatest public speaker. I, I still stutter sometimes here and there, but um, definitely come a long way, and I think I'm still improving on that. Well, let me tell you something, my friend. Relax. You've, you've got it covered. Uh, you're a phenomenal speaker. <laughs> you're, you're a great interview. And, and, hey, man, everybody's a little, a little timid whenever they first get that camera stuck in front of them. It's just an awkward feeling, you know. But if, if the broadcaster or the, the pit reporter – does their job they they get you a question that makes you feel comfortable and then you fall right in line but you've been uh, you've been a fabulous interview man you are a great speaker and, and i'm not blowing smoke dude I, if if it wasn't there i just wouldn't say anything at all but uh no you're you're an excellent speaker and uh man your future is certainly very bright i would expect nothing less i mean listen jack irving and the and the gang at toyota uh, they're the best at what they do. So they don't just grab anybody. You've got to be somebody that's capable of the full package. And looking at you, uh, obviously the success behind the wheel of the race car, uh, the way you look and the way you're taking care of yourself, the way you've made those changes, the way you speak on camera, uh, your results currently in, inside of ARCA and, and already what you're doing in the trucks. I mean, um, you're right on par, man. I, I think you're a phenomenal young man, and, and we really look forward to watching your career develop. Man, I, I really appreciate that. It makes me feel good about myself. <laughs> but uh, no, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, Jack Irving and all those guys in Toyota, like they do a really good job of, um, you know, just developing me as a driver, developing me on and off the racetrack. Um, I've come a long way as far as, you know, like I mentioned earlier, just the physical side of it and just the uh, the entire outlook on my race weekend. Like uh, when I was in Georgia, you know, racing for uh, Chad Bryan in, in 2019 in ARCA, I, I really wasn't able to be at the shop much like I, like I mentioned earlier and I would show up to the racetrack just kind of didn't seem right I just didn't seem like I was logged in I was kind of still just you know I had so many questions that I had built up over the week that I was um, you know just not really mentally prepared to go out and, and race the race of course we had practice back then qualifying and we had a little bit more time to kind of get used to it but being at the shop all week and um, you know just talking to the guys at Vanity Motorsports or KBM or you know whatever team it may be um, just really really helps me get mentally prepared for the race and I think that's you know 99% of it is just being mentally prepared and then, then you go out and execute after that so um, it's been awesome ever since I've been up here. I, I live in Davidson now, you know, probably five, 10 minutes from the gym. I can, I can probably make it here in five minutes. So whoever I need to talk to, if I'm, if I'm going through something or, or just struggling with um, my mentality, I can come here and, and talk to uh, Caitlin Quinn, you know, any of the people here that, that work their butts off to, to make us better. Super, super cool, man. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. We'll keep our eyes on you as, uh, as your career continues on. And certainly this year, I don't know if I want to say it's a David versus Goliath thing there in Antarctica because Venturini is certainly not a David, but um, uh, still the, the task will be tall. The battle will be very, very tough, and that's what we love about motorsports, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good, close battle all the way to the very end. So we wish you nothing but the best of luck. And again, thank you for taking the time to join us here on the show. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on today. It was great talking to you. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, Corey Heim, and now you know the skinny on the young man trying to make a name for himself. Thanks for being with us here on The Skinny. This episode has been brought to you by Toyota, Rhino Classifieds, Dream Giveaway, and General Tire. 
for the latest in sunglasses, optical frames, accessories, and apparel, be sure to check out fatheads.com. That's fatheads with a Z. Production facilities provided by Fatheads Eyewear Studios. All rights reserved. The Skinny with Rico and Ken is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.